and the the zombies weren't the worst people humans is the real disease (laughs) that's a lesson i take from pretty much every show and movie (laughs) if zombies aren't the real problem if i have to see one more zombie thing where it's just like that any zombie thing in general but specifically it's like oh it's not the zombies that are the biggest i'm gonna flip my lid in any case my second no no we need to keep talking about this we need to flesh this out a little bit all right no pun intended because i also Mm -hmm. think if you're gonna i said flesh this out you missed it but no i heard it no okay well i'm gonna put another laugh track there so don't worry about it but any zombie movie that comes out or creature feature or anything like that monster flick that comes out that the monster or the zombies or whatever aren't the main focus of the film and the only point of the film i don't want to see it anymore I don't want to see a werewolf movie that's a commentary on Twitter culture or something. It's so strange to me that zombies became such a huge thing Mm -hmm. for so long, you know? And I, you know, the first zombie movies were about solely the zombies, and then it evolved into, like, Walking Dead uh, or whatever, where it turned on the humans and, like, zombies are few and far between but still dangerous, society's collapsed, and it's that. But, like... It's crazy to me how every single piece of zombie media after that is the exact same thing. Like it's, you know, a couple of stragglers or maybe one survivor and there's, oh, there's a safe zone over here. Oh, but they get to it and it's either not there or it's like a dictatorship and like it's hell there and you have to escape, you know, and it's every single movie is the same and it's crazy to me that. I haven't seen I mean, a good zombie movie since like 28 days later. Man, one just came out on Netflix. Uh, we Are All Dead. Oh, is that the the Korean show? I think it is. It's like in a, in a high school. I heard and good things. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it's fine, but I'm sure it's exactly like every other zombie it's movie. It's probably like High School of the Dead, dude. Which is I like crazy to say. Because High School of the Dead is total just like booby but oh fans are, for, like but i'm sure it's it, it follows the exact it's same all booby plot. butts i'll t- i haven't watched this the you see the survivors the survivors somehow get out of the school they go to the safe haven and they it's the dictator up. one it's the dictator one for this one is what i'm gonna say okay and then uh it turns out they were the zombies all along i don't know i'm making that part up <laughs> But. I did like uh, a the teenage zombie movie where the girl's in love with a zombie. What's it called? Like Dead Love or something. <laughs> I think it's start. I think it's like follows the iPhone convention, where it's like I Dead. No, like, I've, I, that's there's an I Zombie is that show. I did ever, Zombie. Did you ever see Zack Snyder's uh, Army of the Dead on Netflix? Um, is that kind of like I a always year ago. get. I don't think so. No, I'm gonna yeah, say it was, no. It was like Dave Bautista and Tignataro and a bunch of random ass people in it. Dave Bautista from WWE. Yeah, he's the oh. main guy. <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's not good, but he does such a different thing with zombies in that one. Like he, Zack Snyder, like completely changed zombie lore in this one, where there's like a king and queen zombie. 
and all the well. zombies are like connected in a weird way, and then there were there were also robot zombies. In okay, it. all right. And so apparently it's supposed to obviously like he's setting up like I gotta expand this universe in slow motion. Sure. <laughs> so <laughs> I there's robot zombies for some reason, and there's a queen zombie, and they had a baby. Like there was a baby zombie that was like glowing blue. It's very strange, but okay. you should watch it just for like how different it is on zombie. It's such a different take that I haven't seen in a long time. It's not a good movie, but at least it's trying something new. At least it's trying. So Which now I, we I'm can sure go back you to could save for this back. album. <laughs> now you can tell me what it is. You know what? Maybe I don't want to tell you what it is anymore. Yeah, you know, I didn't really care. All right. Well, thanks for watching the episode, everyone. <laughs> Bye, buddies. <laughs> Like that, the record button magically sapped all the tiredness from my body <laughs> and and my podcast self, Trent, came yep. possessed my body once again to record another episode of the Earbuds Podcast. You have to you have like a, a not a pseudonym, but you have to have like an alias. I have like an alter ego. A broadcasting alter ego. Yeah, like just to get I, in the mood. How Batman uh, is a millionaire playboy philanthropist in the uh, day, and he wears a suit of armor at night. Uh, I, too, wear a suit of armor at night. <laughs> are you? And I also, and I do a podcast, but Batman doesn't do that. Are you finally admitting that you're a vigilante? Um... I mean, I was waiting for the press release, but oh, you're going full on like. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna. You're not I'm just not gonna, gonna tell family and friends. You're like, I want to tell the world that I'm a vigilante. I won't affirm or deny such allegations, but I mm. will have a press conference on this Friday, and uh, you know, you know, in regards to that topic in particular, might be some interesting stuff. Are you? Do you plan on being mas- masked? Masked. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be indoors, so I don't really want to, like, See. you know, spread anything uh, yeah. more than we already have. Uh, I hope the, everyone uh... is masked, actually. Okay. Are you the, the virtue signaler? Is that your your <laughs> superhero name? <laughs> I'm the... I'm, I'm the... I'm the... 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 Stick... Stickler. <laughs> <laughs> the virtue stickler. I am the virtue stickler. I I don the outfit of someone who's uh aggressive and angry and over the top and extra for wanting to wear a mask during a still ongoing pandemic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm fucking crazy. You're comply man. <laughs> uh but I am a little worried because I sent you that email and you didn't get back to me on your what. Emails, Brett, I don't know how many times. Well, I have to tell you. I I usually Stop try to emails. 
Alright, look, I want to admit to something. I'm the Nigerian prince you've been donating to. Yeah, I know. I knew that was the only way that I could email you and you would, like, look at it. You don't think I know that I'm funding your move to Seattle? (laughs) (laughs) Through these Nigerian, you know, mind collapse emails that you've been sending me? Um, But in any case, I'm a little worried because I'm not sure you have planned out your sidekick attire. Uh, for the press conference? See, no. See, this is why I need to start reading your emails. Yeah. Do I need to find some sort of gimp suit or something? A, a I mean, body mask? yeah. If, if you could just, like, find some good leather pants or something. A dog I, rubber mask? Yeah, a dog mask. Uh, okay. You gotta get a name. Uh, I know I don't have a name yet, but I feel like you should get yours first and then i could just like if it's really good i'll take it and if it's not as good i'll make a better version of it you know what i'm saying yeah yeah yeah. so i think your name's virtuous signalis yeah i like like the latin Latin. yeah so mine can be uh you know eat off the floor (laughs) boy yeah and you just you just abuse me all the time and make me eat off the floor yeah, people be like, it's, so how's that a sidekick? Because they don't really do anything. It's like, except well, for, you know, like, I never said he was a willing sidekick. I just said he like, had to be with me. And yeah, it's it's not like it's not like he does much. But I, uh, I, but I make you feel better about yourself, which makes you a better superhero. <laughs> like you, it's you finally feel like you can control something, which is me. It's interesting that Virtuous Signalis uh, has eat off the food boy yeah. as a sidekick. Because <laughs> it's all just virtue signaling. You're not actually a good person. So Yeah, in, in I'm the, just like calling rooms, other people out. Yeah, behind closed doors, you make me eat off the floor, but then you'll call anyone who doesn't agree with you a Nazi. Yeah, right. Mm. Uh, but until Friday, I guess for now, we'll do the podcast... Uh, As kind of like a warm up That's fine I can start practicing being your bitch boy I I don't think you need much practice Okay (laughs) (laughs) What's up buds Welcome to another episode of the Earbuds Podcast This is a podcast where two very good buds Talk about albums for a very good amount of time uh, I, as always, am your co-host, Virtuous Signalis. Yes. Uh, Brett Hanrahan. Dude, that's your wrestler name. We finally figured it out, too. Oh, it's not going to be that. Oh, well, little <laughs> do you know. You don't know about my wrestler Sona yet, all right? That's that's the Friday after this one. Yeah, wrestler Sona. Yeah. This is where we are in life. Join with me, as always, uh, Lucas Eat Off the Floor Boy, Indra Cobbs. Yep. And I'm hungry. <laughs> Well, I got some tasty, I got some tasty harmonies and melodies for you today, Lucas. Uh, what album did you bring into the podcast this week? I brought in a new record, um, relatively new to the world. It came out a couple weeks ago, as of when we were recording this, but it's called Manticore. Yeah. Uh, Manticore by a band called Shovels and Rope, who I used to be really, really into, like ten years ago, a little over ten years ago. Really. Yeah, I love shovels and rope. There was a there was a moment 
there in my life, like maybe two, three years that I got like really into, uh, the folk country stuff that had been coming out, like, um, Sturgill Simpson and Houndmouth and mm. Shovels and Rope and kind of like the, a new school of country that was coming out that I was really, really digging, man. And I took like a trip to Nashville at this time and Little Rock and Memphis and like wrote a whole bunch of country songs with my friend who came with me <laughs> on the road trip. And I was never into this stuff before, but Shovels and Rope had a really cool vibe when they when they were first starting out, like in 2006 and seven and and it lasted a good while, man. I was really into it for a while. And this album is um, very different from what I remember them sounding. I've never heard of uh, Shovels and Rope. And I, I never really have gotten into that side of music. You sent mm-hmm. me a, like a whole playlist of Sturgill Simpson songs. and that's Have about... you even listened to it yet? Uh, I've listened to uh, like half of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so do you not like do you not like what you've heard? Because it's also no, different, right? I do like it, but it's just like I don't know. I never listen to country, so I don't. I'm never like in a country mood, even if Sturgill True. like branches off. You know, you know. I I predict that you're probably going to be more open listening to it once you move to the Pacific Northwest, because it's then it because then it's like, well, now this is part of my roots a little bit. You know, like you. <laughs> I've lived in Texas your whole life, you know, like central Texas and country and honky tonk and all that stuff is so big where, where we grew up. And I noticed it. And a lot of friends that left Texas that all of a sudden they're wearing like fucking belt buckles and. Oh, well, listen, I Pat green, <laughs> I fully, uh, plan on committing to the cowboy look only when I get to <laughs> Seattle, just so I can like. Yeah, I'll, I'll don the accent. I'll like, oh, so where's yeah. y- where are y'all horse stables around here? I need to park my horse to go to the bar. You're going to be but like an anime cowboy. Like a cowboy bebop cowboy is what you're going for. I, I'm going for the most stereotypical version of what I'm sure everyone thinks a Texan is like. You know? Because yeah. aside from the big cities like Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, and Austin, it is kind of that pretty much that yeah a lot of people tucking in jeans into their cowboy boots and those fucking stupid ass long wallets that people <laughs> love for some reason yep that they're, they're the size of checkbooks or like one and a half checkbooks everything's bigger baby everything yeah you're like i need more room for my receipts <laughs> <laughs> i need this long this long ass wallet with a sheriff uh star on it for some stupid fucking reason Right, but I mean, I was I was very into. Um, I got really into like the South, like the vibe of the South, um, back like maybe ten, ten years ago, a little over ten years ago, and that's when I got really into shovels and rope. Uh, well, you know what? Listening to this album, I you know there I got nothing against it. I kind of I I even would go as far to say that I kind of like it. That is very surprising, man, because it's this is not the shovels and rope I remember. They used to be they used to have a lot more energy and be a lot more kind of like vibrant and fun um and very chanty dancey type of stuff. Like it was, you know, they they always had their dual vocals and and cool melodies and stuff going on, but it was, you know, very simple drum um stuff like on their old records, but it was just it's all you needed, like a kick and a snare. And so that added to like this kind of raw energy to their to their music, and this is a much more 
produced like lush yeah. lots of instrumental and music like lots of instruments going on at once which is uh, a lot more uh, instrumentation than I'm used to from shovels and ropes so it was surprising and and dude I'm glad that you liked it because I, I I don't know how I feel about it to be honest when you told me that this is like a folk country group yeah I, you didn't know I was not at all prepared for what this album was going to sound like because it is, yeah. you know, it's got those dual male-female vocals that you always hear in this type of music. Uh, Which I love. But yeah, there are parts of this album that are very layered and produced, which is a little more uncharacteristic of, you know, the folk and country I've heard so far it's not so crazy uh right but it's just i don't know it's a it's a little different from what i expected and i don't see why uh this isn't the norm because it sounds fantastic i mean yeah production wise this record is really good like there's so much emotion on all these songs um but that kind of is what I have like I'm so torn on this record because I objectively I know that it's a very well written and uh, the songwriting is great the vocals are great but then subjectively it just doesn't hit me it it doesn't land on me because it's kind of like boring for me really yeah And, and it sucks because I'd much rather talk about an album that I hated than talk about an album that I was kind of bored. Well, that's so weird to me because my main gripe with folk in general to me is that it's so quiet uh, and slow, quiet and slow and boring and minimalistic, which is fine in doses. Uh, but I, it's not like I could listen to an album. I have you know, there's a couple albums I've listened to where the entire thing is just the singer and like an acoustic guitar. And it's that for like nine songs in a row for, for like even half an hour. It's like, there has to be something else for me to latch onto. Yeah. And that's something I appreciated on this album is that there are those very slow minimalist moments, but there are also, a surprising amount of drum work, though it's not, mm-hmm. you know, crazy. Or There's anything. nothing complex. The drums are never going to blow your mind, but but they're they're, they're they've always been used very effectively, like on all shovels and rope albums, and uh, an array of other instruments, uh, like you know, pianos and I think it, it, stringed instruments. I heard back yeah. there, and lots of strings, like on uh, No Man's Land, um. Yeah, and, and on a, uh, like, domino, which mm-hmm. is not <laughs> kind of what I was expecting. It's a little more upbeat. It's got, like, a bass in it. It's got, like, an electric guitar. Yeah, probably <laughs> the most energetic song on the record is the first song. Right. And that's always been, in my opinion, a very bad way to start off an album. <laughs> I agree, man. Because honestly, Domino sounds like a B side of some of their older stuff. Like it's, it sounds like it's kind of reminiscent of when they first started, and they were being kind of 
energetic and playful and and aggressive and raw. Right. Um, but it's it's almost like a it felt like a forced imitation of that. <laughs> and I don't know if that has something to do with the concept of this record and how they wrote it and everything because so there's very little information about this album that's out there. Right, um, it's very recent. It's very recent, but this is also kind of a big, in my opinion, kind of a big band. Like I, I feel like Shovel and, Shovels and Rope is pretty popular, so I'm surprised that there isn't more press out there. But from what I read, uh, they had written a lot of this music in 2019, like before COVID and any of that shit happened. So, oh boy, like I don't know how much of the record was written before then, but then when they went in to record it in 2020, like I think it was summer of 2020. They were, you know, we were deep in the pandemic and deep in a lot of people right. doing a lot of introspection and stuff like that. And they realized yeah. that they have, because they wanted to bring this record back to roots of just guitar, drums. Um, they wanted it to be very raw, but they also wanted it to be quiet and very emotional and, um, and very serious. But then they realized we have so much fucking time now because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> so the record became a lot more layered and they ended up putting a lot more music in there because uh, they, they're like, we got nothing but time. So let's let's build these out to be as much as they can be. And I do really, really appreciate, despite it being subjectively boring for me uh, on a lot of the record, like I really love a lot of the, the music. Like, it's all really good music. Like, genuinely, it's good. It just doesn't... It just didn't hit me as hard, but I, I love, like, their inclusion of the strings. And I think uh, something that they've always done really well is use synthesizers in a cool way, especially for this type of music. You don't expect to hear synth. And sure. uh, they the little bits and, and bobs of synth on the whole record, like, I, I loved all of it. And so what is it... I, you know, has having never listened to past shovels and ropes yeah. records, uh, I guess I wish I had now because I I'd like more context. But is it just that it's less energetic that bores you, or is it like the lyrical content? Um, <clears throat> no, I think lyrically this album is really good. Yeah, I think so too. I think their lyrics are really good. They've always been really good. Um, and really catchy melodies and all that. But I think, uh, yeah, a big difference for me is the energy levels. Uh, this album was just, I mean, there's six or seven songs in a row that are very slow on this record. And sure. that is not usual from Shovels and Rope. It's not to say that they didn't have anything like this like in their discography before. And I'll be honest, like I stopped really listening to their stuff after... 2012 or something like that and they've had plenty of records come out since then so mm. this change might have been a, a long time coming for all i know but yeah to me it's just not as energetic and not as fun um this album is just very somber and serious and quiet and uh just it has a time and place for sure like this it grew on me like when the first time i listened to the whole thing i really really disliked it and a lot of it grew on me because it, it is a great like Sunday morning drinking coffee, watching the sunrise type of record, you know, like it's, right. it's quiet and it's uh, it almost like will force you to be introspective because they're just, you know, it's just very <laughs> like deep personal lyrics. Right. But it'll make you fucking sad. And that's not a great way to start your day, you know, <laughs> so um, 
it, a lot of it is just not, I wasn't ever in the mood to listen to something like this, but then when I was more in that kind of like quiet mood and everything, it, it landed a little bit harder. But I mean, I will say despite how much I like their lyrics and I do think that when their voices are really good, I think their voices are like beautiful and haunting and like very sad sounding. Um, they, sure. they, they capture and express that emotion really, really well. But there was a lot of times on this record that I felt like they were wailing on a lot of songs, and it kind of was obnoxious to me. You didn't like how much they were like projecting? Yeah. It seemed like they were just singing loudly a lot of times, and it almost felt like a joke at times, like on Bleed Me and uh, Crown Victoria and a couple of other songs that I'm just... it Honestly, like the last track, The Human Race, like... Carrie Ann kind of gets really exaggerated with her voice. And she does this like type of like whaley thing that I'm like, yo, that is way too much for me. And it makes it all it makes me laugh. Like there was a few times where me and Christina like laughed listening to this album. Man, I it's so weird. I had no I I had no idea that we would be so at ends with this record because I, I don't feel that way at all i can't believe it dude i like i feel like it's it's like they use the dynamics well it's not like they're doing this whole like yelling howling whatever throughout the entire song you no. know it's a build up to it and bleed me i think yeah and it's you know maybe it's better to think of it outside of the context of like folk or country because at times it just kind of sounds like a singer songwriter type what you would just see at a at a cafe or something and two singers are just you know hanging out there together yeah but i mean it seems like if you heard this live in like such a intimate setting like that like it, everyone would be crying right <laughs> <laughs> like them singing you are the best part and like just being super emotional like you can that's what that that's that's the why i feel so weird about this record and it almost like bothers me that i can't figure out how i feel about it because i can see objectively how it's really fucking good and then just it's just not for me it's just a it's just a swing and a miss it seems yeah for the most part i mean there were you know a, a collection of of tunes that i could that I can enjoy and and I genuinely liked, but uh, yeah, man, there were a lot. There was a lot of just, oh my god, they're fucking singing like that again, and you know the, the whole like <laughs> happy sure. birthday like thing was just super goofy, and that like was making Christina crack up every time she heard it. And the songs <laughs> are too long for me. Like I don't want to hear a five to six minute long super intense brooding folk Americana song, you know, like that is very long. And it seems like the court, there was five or six choruses when the songs were that long. And it's just unnecessary in my opinion. Yeah. There's only, a, I think about three songs that are under four minutes and, you know, just barely at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and even the ones that were four minutes, four and a half minutes, they felt much longer just because it was so slow. Right. But I mean, you know, I've I've been bitching for the last ten minutes. Like, tell me what you liked so much about it, because I am super, super surprised that 
that we were so opposite of the spectrum here on this album. I didn't expect you to like this at all. Why did you bring it to the podcast then? Um, well, I didn't expect you to like this at all after I listened to the album. Because I hadn't heard it yet. <laughs> okay. okay. So, you know, because I was like, oh, Shovels and Rope, that's fun. And I thought it was something that would be new for you. Because I assumed that you had never heard these guys. And so it was just something, bringing something different to the table and kind of putting you out of your comfort zone a little bit. And then when I listened to it the first time, I was like, oh, Brett is going to fucking hate this. I mean, it's the thing about this album, it's not unaccessible by any means. Anyone can listen to this album and, you know, I think think pretty fairly about it. It's not like it's something out of my wheelhouse. It's like, like it's something I've never heard before. But right? you're a fucking you've already told me you're a, you know, a rock bashing caveman. <laughs> That's true. Like, you know, I but would even, never think you, know, you would want to hear someone sing happy birthday in a, you know, sounding like they're half crying. But I I think you know as well as I do when you're like cave wife comes home and you come back with a tyrannosaurus head and you're all just eating food around the fire, you know. You realize you just how wanna, good you got it. You realize how good you got it. You want to yeah. lay back. You just want to listen to some chill tunes, you know. You put on the AirPods for when you're doing the hunt, and you get your hype beast music for when you're chasing that mammoth, you yeah. know. I feel like it's more this. This album brings me more to like frontier era stuff. Like I can picture a lot of hipsters that look like they want to create their own homestead out in Wyoming or something. So they dress <laughs> sure. like they dress like frontiers people. I feel like they would are going to love this. Smoking pipe tobacco and drinking some weird rye. Well, let me tell you some things I like about this record. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh this Prove is a me married wrong, Chris Benoit. <laughs> this is a married couple, right? Yes. Yes. And they've been playing for 10 plus years. Long time. Longer than that. Long time. So it's easy to tell. They're in sync. They oh are. Oh, God, yeah. You know, they're harmonies. They don't, they don't miss a beat. They know exactly what they're doing. They're focused. The lyrics on this album are fantastic. I, it's, it's really nice for me whenever I can read lyrics on something. And maybe the first time I don't understand it. But a couple look-throughs, and like, oh, I get it. Like, the metaphors and illusions are uh, colorful enough that it keeps me interested, but accessible enough that I can actually understand what they're saying. Right, the, <laughs> it makes sense, like, on Bleed Me, where it's kind of talking about, it's kind of vampiric a little bit. Yeah. But it's talking <laughs> about how, you know, they're, they love their children so much, and it's just like, just, like, bleed me dry of all my love, basically. And right. it's... It's a beautiful and, sentiment, but they're doing it in this kind of dark, you know, raw, really kind of like, you know, f- uh, not fucked up, but yeah, in a very different way that it's just kind of like, it, it does, I, I really, really loved their lyrics on the whole album, other than Happy Birthday. <laughs> I I like that one too. Of course uh, you do. But, you know, I guess a sidebar how on earth do you make songs like this with your wife? How do you make songs about love like with your wife and songs like the human race where you're like pretty much near suicidal? Yeah. You know, and like bring it to your wife or husband or, you know, whichever is 
doing whatever in the band. You're like, so here's the lyrics that you're going to harmonize with me on. <laughs> it's about how much I want to, like, die. Yeah. No one wins the human race. Yeah. It's like, it, it, there are lyrics akin to, like, there's no point in winning, so we might as well cut it short or something. Yeah, take one to the temple and call it a day or whatever this Right. I, I love that line. Yeah, well, apparently this album is kind of a concept record. Really? Yeah, I think they were... I saw some things about them saying it was kind of a concept on divorce and just, like, everything ending. Like, everything that you know and love just ending. And, like, how you would feel about that. and Well, sure, yeah. The emotions you'd go through. Um, and that might just be a few songs. I don't know if that's a whole record. But I, it's it really is incredible uh, to have this husband-wife duo, musical duo, that have written, like, at least eight or nine records together. Right. And and, they, and maybe and they, eight or nine records in, and they write one of their most emotionally raw and personal records of their whole career. I I can only assume. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that they, like, I guess are comfortable enough in their relationship that they can write a song like Divide and Conquer. Yeah, man. Writing a song like that or, like, uh, Collateral Damage. I mean, just so many of these songs are right. so... Like, No Man's Land was, you know, kind of a concept song in and of itself. A lot of these songs are just very, like, very personal. And they the the themes and, and the lyrics can fly by if you're not paying attention, if you just kind of have it on in the background. But if you're following along and really paying attention to what they're saying, it's all these songs are pretty fucking heavy. That's why Domino right. kind of stands out also. Domino honestly doesn't belong on the record. <laughs> it really, it kind of doesn't. It really doesn't. Because it also is about James Dean. Yeah, and like how he got in a car crash or something. Right, and how we there's still weird celebrity worship around him, even like a hundred years later after he passed away and all this. And I'm just like, <laughs> so all your other songs are about divorce and losing everything you love and all this stuff. And then the opening track is about James Dean. I'm like, yeah, I think one, you know, one thing doesn't fit here. Uh, but in, in any case, uh, I... As I said before, like I like I appreciate the layers that they put in this in some of these songs and some interesting instruments. I think on collateral damage, there's kind of like a little synth bass that kind of trickles in there yes. near the end. The brumpy, I called it brumpy synth. Brumpy synth. Yeah, it's like <laughs> brown, brown. Uh, and I, I do wish the the songs could have been a little shorter, but. Uh, as we'll see in Narnugs, which we'll get to, it wasn't a deal breaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, my choice Nugs on the album is not like they're the shortest songs on the record. You know, it's just kind of the ones I landed on. And it was honestly kind of hard to pick my choice Nugs. Well, let's get into it, man. It is time. It is time. It is time for choice Nugs. It is time. It is time. It is time for choice nugs. Do you have any honorable mentions before? I do, man. Um, a few of them. I I liked uh, Domino for what it was, even though it doesn't belong. <laughs> you know, maybe that's why they put it as the first song. Yeah, it kind of they put it in the of... middle. People be like, "What is going on here?" Yeah, right. That's true. Like, imagine ending with Domino. You'd be like, "Wait." <laughs> it's like, oh, um. Like, okay. is that a bonus track? 
but I liked it. It was it is the most energetic song on the record and also an honorable mention for me. Yeah. But Domino. I, I like the uh I like the show. I thought the melodies on the show were good. Um and I like uh, Human Race and No Man's Land. Mm. But there's a whole stretch there in the middle that I did not like <laughs> that much at all. Uh so my first choice nug is Collateral Damage. That's mine as well. Hey, dude, I love that that chorus melody. I get a little hazy on the details. Yeah, whenever that part comes in, you're just like, ah, oh, yes, I love that melody. Yeah, it hits it hits perfectly. And the song has a nice evolution as it goes on. Uh you know, the the dude joins in and drums kick in. There's some like super piano. simple drums. There's that, uh, what did you call it? The grumpy bass? The brumpy, the brumpy synth at the end. The, br- the brumpy synth, yeah. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, the song almost sounds like a like a modern Billy Joel song or something. Like, yeah. Collateral Damage sounds like a bar song to me. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a bar song for a bar that is clinically depressed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone is going to, like, drink... Uh, cyanide after singing the song but they're all super into the song this is a heavy song and probably one of the more contestuous songs that they brought in as a couple i would assume seeing as it's kind of like in my opinion it's about like just this failed marriage and someone just being miserable in this trapped marriage (laughs) (laughs) yeah i wonder which one of them had the idea it was like, like so whoever, hear me out. whoever brings it in, it's like gonna be real suspicious to the other person. It's like, hey man, like do we need to talk about this? So like I have this idea for a song and I also have all the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> I've written the whole thing. I don't need any of your help, don't worry. But it, it was super, really easy actually to come It's up weird with. to write such a heavy song that's like kinda super depressing song, but it's so catchy to sing along to. Yeah, and it's you know, it starts off pretty uh, slow and somber, but when it picks up, it kind of gets to a, a speed where you can kind of bob your head to it, and it's not... Yeah, it's great mid-tempo. You know, yeah. Like, really easy to follow along with it. On the details. Yeah, super catchy. And yeah, that the it's so smart using that brumpy synth, that just simple... Just following along at the very end, and then they kind of right. it like ends the song by itself, and it's just such a cool touch that I feel like only shovels and rope and like people like them and and Sturgill would think of. <laughs> I mean, it's it's yeah, I do, I do wish more traditional genres would embrace more modern things. Yeah, you know, but. there's a whole stigma about it it's ridiculous like Bob Dylan was like nearly crucified for bringing an electric guitar yeah exactly there's these like uh, purists and that was a while ago but I mean purists ruin it for everyone though like think about all the all these like speaking of country specifically like all these country artists artists that are being held back from doing anything different because they know that Nashville is going to reject them if they do right you know, yeah, and that the radio is not going to want to play them, and everyone who wants to hear the stupid red red solo cup songs, Ugh. and and you know? country specifically might be the harshest genre, just because there's such 
a staunch stigma around it and oh, you have yeah. to look a certain way and you have to sound a certain way and you have to play a certain way and i'm you know i haven't looked into sturgill but i'm sure he's been blacklisted from a lot he, of he has man fans. but it's it's almost given him the the total creative freedom to do whatever he wants because right he, he knows he's lost nashville and like lost the the main um fan base of like country music but he's like all right well now there's no more pressure to try and get y'all to like me and he's <laughs> done so much cool stuff like worked with the dap kings and done all this really interesting like he he did an anime short film like <laughs> to go along with one of his records oh hell yeah he's dude. just doing whatever the fuck he wants and i feel like uh shovels and rope also just probably haven't been accepted by that crowd either you know so it's they've I, i'm loving that that genre of country music because there really is nothing country music like especially popular country music which I guess you could say about any pop music. It's like not, it's the least socially conscious or outspoken of any genre. Yeah. So to have people like Sturgill or Shovels and Rope or like, I think, you know, Tyler Childers, I think, and a few other guys that I can't remember the names of, but I like them all a lot. They're, you know, writing some real country songs, like what country used to be back in the day. And very like raw emotion, you know, and it is it is so ridiculous how much country has changed into exactly what it was fighting against at the start. <laughs> yeah, it's like devolved. Uh, but that's that's a podcast for another day. Yeah, that's on <laughs> that's on Country Buds, our other podcast. Uh, what's your other nug? Because I. I have a weird feeling we're going to share that one, too. That would be interesting. Uh, dude, I hadn't picked it yet <laughs> because all the other songs Damn. all my honorable mentions were i kind of liked them all the same but right. i'm gonna go with no man's land you're going with no man's land yeah okay which is like the fifth slow ass song on this record in a row sure but <laughs> it has a very cool intensity to it like i love how intense the lyrics are because it's basically i mean no man's land like it's talking about war and the war yeah. zone and fucking guns and it's very brooding like the the music doesn't really go anywhere it kind of stays chill and quiet pretty much the whole time yeah but it has but it, this that cool finger ping, boom dick ping, dick ping, dick ping, dick ping, it just has this like kind of driving intensity to it that um that's what made it. That's what made it my second choice. Not when I had to think about it. I would say of all the all the songs on this record, this one has the most atmosphere. Yes, you know for sure. And it seems like they're. I don't know anything about harmonies, but it seems like they're doing a harmony that instills more of an uneasy vibe than you know their usual stuff. Yeah, I mean the the way that they're singing and the lyrics and the everything, the whole package of the whole thing is just like, oh, this is such a would make such a cool movie scene, you know? right? Like a whole Even bunch of is... slow mo montage some would going on during this song. It does have a weirdly happy ending though. <laughs> I like the synth at the end. It's kind of it again. It like I don't know who else would think to do something like that. Uh. But yeah, No Man's Land is a pretty, that's a pretty good one. It's so cool, man. It It, it is very 
atmospheric, like you said. That's I think that's why I like it so much because I can it, when it was playing. It's one of the only songs that I used to do this with almost every song I would listen to is like think what movie scene it would work well in. Right. Yeah. And this was the only one on this record that made me think about that. Like, oh, this would make such a cool scene with like <laughs> the anti-hero is like gather. He's like deciding. He's like, all right, I got to do this, and I know I'm gonna die, but I have to do this, and I have to protect these people. And it's just like all this really intense <laughs> slow mo montage. I imagine stuff. like, uh, what's that movie of the the blind dude going through the wasteland? It's like something. It's Jeremiah's book. Oh, I don't even. Oh, the book of Eli book of eli yeah yeah yeah. that's that's kind of what i imagine yes some desert setting apocalyptic type of thing like yeah they would make such a cool song for a scene like that but and let me say probably best plot twist in movie history that movie in my opinion oh man i only saw it once what was the plot twist Spoiler alert. Um, well, spoiler alert for Book of Eli. Came yeah. out like a decade and a half ago or whatever. Um, you never know, man. This dude's just been going through this wasteland, kicking ass. Looking uh, for a Bible, this... right? Or protecting a Bible? He's protecting a book. Right. And, uh, you know, most of the time you don't know what it is. The enemy gets him. The enemy's like, yes, this is the Bible. And we're like, ooh. And then he opens the Bible and it's Braille. So he can't read it the whole time. This guy's been blind, which there are subtle hints through the movie, but you wouldn't know because he's just, you know, whooping tail the whole time. Oh, that's right. You don't know he's blind. And so the reveal, even though it's pretty fucking obvious, I don't know about that. I mean, I was, I was pretty, I was a kid when I saw it. So maybe it was a little more obvious. Blew your little mind. But like when he opened the book and you see that it's Braille and just like, the the realization of I'm not going to be able to read this and also that the main character was blind the whole time. I don't know. I thought oh it was very Oh my cool. god. So Denzel Washington was Bruce Willis the whole time? Yeah. I think he was that's a the ghost. other twist. Yeah. He was the Pretty ghost crazy. Of, of Haley Joe Osmond. My second <laughs> note, I, I have some honorable mentions. Domino was an honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the rest of their stuff is like that, I might check out their older stuff. Yeah, I think you would like their older stuff, man. Like, um, whatever the album is that has the the flo- like the life preserver on the cover, check that one out. Got it. Yeah. Uh, Anchor was a pretty heavy one. So, you know, it was mainly like the lyrics doing it for me. Right, for <laughs> sure, yeah. But my second nug is going to be Divide and Conquer. Yeah, that's what I'm listening to right now. Which is, I believe it's the longest song on the record. It is. It's uh, six and a half minutes. Yeah. But it it felt a little... It, it, like, it's it's another really sad... It's, a, it's basically like a divorce song. Right. Right? And kind of this unhappy marriage song. Which they might have a little too many uh, unhappy <laughs> marriage songs for a married couple. But, you know, whatever. I, I'm a little worried about them. Yeah, have we? Has anyone checked in on them? No, I don't think so. No, no. Uh, <laughs> but I like how solemn it is. And divide and conquer. I like the returning motif of them saying that more so than like a chorus, I guess. Yeah, uh, I do like that little whatever that is. <laughs> that little line. Much like uh, collateral damage. 
it kind of has a bit of an evolution through it, though this one is much slower. <laughs> yeah. It does get more instruments going. Like, eventually there's a nice little organ in there, um, and the piano and guitars and everything builds up on itself. But, yeah, it never really gets above, like, a decibel level of, like, 50. Right. Uh, but I don't know something about this one. I was just... I feel like I really was able to get in line with the vibe of this one, I guess. Like, I was able to... I felt it, man. I I felt it. Yeah, I mean, I am just so surprised that... You know, you keep, you just, you keep surprising me. Yeah, well, you know, the uh, Valiant Signalis, or whatever. <laughs> Virtuous Signalis. Uh-huh. It, yeah. it, you know, you, you never know what to expect. It's true. This alter alter ego of yours is just starting to really come to fruition. <laughs> what is your I mean, I, I will say the you 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 sold it to me as a country folk record, so immediately my expectations may have been more ready for this record than yours. Yeah, Honestly. for sure. Because I came into this knowing what I remember Shovels and Rope sounding like. Yeah. And to me, this sounds pretty spot on to what you were alluding to. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I don't know. It's not like I'll ever like... I might come back to a song or two on this record, but I don't know when I'm ever, ever going to like be in the mood. Right. <laughs> exactly. And so I, I would say a lot of my appreciation for this record comes from us having to listen to it and do it for an episode. <laughs> <laughs> In that context. <laughs> right. And if it was just, if you just like recommended this album to me, you know, and you're just like, oh, dude, you should check this out. Just, you know, on an off day. You'd be like, Ugh, Then I'd okay. be like, dude, why did you even, like, why did you even give this to me? <laughs> Well, that's that's awesome because then this is something that you never would have listened to had I not made you for this show. That's true. You you we you know we do that to each other. That's what this thing is. Denada. Gracias. There you go. Now that's uh, that's that's being polite, Brett. So with that, and uh, I like the harmonies. I like I appreciate the layers, though I maybe wish there were more of them. Mm. Uh, I think the songs are a fine length. If you're prepared for it. <laughs> it's a mood. It's all has, You have to be in a certain mood. Uh, I'm never going to listen to this album again, but I will come back to a couple wow. songs. Okay. Okay. And so with all that be being your rating? said, yeah, I'm going to give this one a 6.0. Okay. I thought you were going to go much higher. Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> it's the, a five is, like, to me, a five is, like, I'm indifferent about the entire thing. Right. So it's just, like, it's just, it's a bit above indifference, but there there's a good amount of appreciation. Okay, cool. Uh, wow. Yeah, I thought you were going to be at least a seven. Um, nah, not, not quite so high. <laughs> well, they said that this album feels like heavy metal to them. And oh boy! I don't um, see or hear the connection at all. They say it's like because it's intense musically as it is emotionally, is why they feel like this is their version of heavy metal. 
And if that's their version of heavy metal, I gotta make sure they never turn on 99.5 Hard Rock San Antonio because that'll destroy yeah. them. They might have a fucking heart. They might attack. have an aneurysm. Yeah. <laughs> but I do say, I will say, like, it is very, it's a very intense album musically and emotionally. Like, I do agree with right. that. Um, but I just don't see myself wanting to listen to it outside of being in a really melancholic mood or wanting to just have something quiet in the background. Like I can hear the emotion. I can hear how like beautiful the album is written uh, or how beautiful it is or how beautiful it could be or should have been or whatever. But it's just like, it just doesn't land with me for the most part. And it's weird to hear like how intense this music is, but feel like it's almost kind of shallow sometimes for me when the lyrics I feel like are so good, but also sometimes so on the nose that it's almost silly. Like with their happy birthday thing was just so silly. They had a few silly parts. Well, you know what, you know what it is, Lucas is you're not ready to get touched that deep. No, I'm not. I didn't ask for this. I didn't consent to this album. You asked specifically for this. I actually, you're right. That'll never, (laughs) that'll never hold in a court of law though. (laughs) (laughs) You'll never get me. (laughs) <laughs> it's just it's it's weird but it doesn't have the album doesn't have as much impact on me as i feel like it should uh, but i think objectively this is really good music and really good songwriting <clears throat> subjectively it was just kind of boring and quiet and didn't engage me and i just couldn't really get into it so i liked a couple of the songs didn't like really a lot of them just were just too boring for me um so i'm gonna give it a 3.0 Dang. And that's so, that is super subjective because I think if I was objective, I would give it more of a seven something. Just for how well written and how like genuinely it is good music. And that's why I feel so conflicted because it's good music I don't like. Well, you know, we're going to take the three. Take Uh, the three, man. Take the L. It's going to be the, (laughs) that's the final uh, number we're going to put down. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Earbuds Podcast. I've decided I'm going to put an emphasis on just about every other word I say. Ooh, stick with it. Dedicate yourself to this joke. Thank you all for listening to (laughs) check us out on Earbuds Podcast. John Luke Guitard, Brett Hanrahan, YouTube, Ear, Podbean, whatever. What Man. album are we listening to next, Brett? We're listening to fucking Venny Vitty Vicious by the Hives. Oh, shit. Yep. Because I'm just, sick that, of you it. Just, I feel like it was very aggressive the way you were yep. telling me that just now. I, I know it's not. I know it's not relevant in any way. <laughs> I know it's not really in the zeitgeist of music anymore. Gosh dang it, I like that album a you lot. You have a lot to say about it. You gotta get a lot off your chest about this record. Don't even don't even get me started. Okay. <laughs> Alright, I won't. Save it for the pod. <laughs> Vinny Vidi Vici. Alright, I'll see if I can find it. I don't even know if any streamers, streaming platforms have that album anymore. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, you know, it's kind of deep dive. You gotta go on the dark web yeah. to download it from from title i have to buy it on a mini disc yeah you gotta buy it on cassette yeah well i'll see what i can do good luck buddies in finding that record uh <laughs> brett what would you uh what would you rate this this episode um 
Nah. Oh, he's rating it in a... Nah, I'm just not rating it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to rate it a 6.0, I guess. All right, I'll rate it a 6.0. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for listening, buddies. We'll see you next time. Adios. A three, two, one.